Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. With me again for our weekly roundup of the wonderful events of the week are Michael Selden, a former federal prosecutor, host of his own podcast, and of course, uh, John Bennett, uh, editor-at-large CQ Roll Call, and he has a weekly newsletter. And this week, we're going to take a look at all the wonderful things in the news, including the latest in the leaks espionage case that <clears throat> has has come to light this week. Also, the Donald Trump sues Michael Cohen case is in court. Biden just got back for it actually is coming back as we record this from a trip to Ireland. And what does that portend for the 2024 election? Montana bans TikTok. Is that a First Amendment issue? And of course, we cannot miss this week in the sale of the commanders. And of course, as Michael pointed out in an email, this is the week that was with the Beatles taking the top five slots on the hits. We'll talk, we'll have all of that to unpack and much more. So stick around and we'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. I'm your host, Brian Kerman, with us uh, today to talk about the latest in the news. We still have Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor. He has a host of his uh, own podcast, which will let him plug eminently. And, and John Bennett, editor at large from CQ Roll Call. We're going to start. <laughs> Michael, I, you know, I, I have to go. The, the first story of the week has to be uh, this young uh, kid, Jack. Uh, to Shara, who's been charged with uh, espionage and a few other things for leaking information. Uh, and if you take a look at it, the le- you know, when this first came to light earlier this week in the briefing room, I asked if it was a hacking thing that because there's members of the intelligence community, I see who think that they have um, that their information uh, technology is woefully lacking and they'd like to be brought into the 21st century. But as it turns out, that wasn't even the, the issue. It was a 21 year old airman who was in a mine, it started out in a Minecraft uh, chat room as players were playing over the internet and he was bragging to friends what it was and he's been leaking this stuff apparently since last fall. The New York Times found out about it and the day that they showed up at the house to talk to him or his dad, uh, it was like a scene out of Goodfellas with a helicopter circling overhead and they came in and and picked him up. So... uh, (laughs) And now he stands charged. And there are a lot of people saying that this basically is no different than 
a Wikipedia case or different from any other case. And Marjorie Taylor Greene came out and defended him, said he's just a white Christian boy and an enemy of the Biden uh, regime. And, you know, God, if it were anybody else, she'd be if, and if it happened during Trump's tenure, she'd be going after the guy. That aside, how does this differ from other cases? I'll let you take the first swat at that. Well, there are lots of things that differentiate these cases. First is that in the case of Julian Assange and the other two women who were um, convicted of espionage, those people were distributing through media channels. And so I think there was more of a First Amendment overlay to to their cases than this one, which was, yes, social media has a First Amendment overlay to it. But I think that in this case, this was a 21-year-old kid who was just sharing information among his group of friends, whereas in the case of Snowden, I didn't say I didn't mean to say Assange, but right uh, Snowden and um, the other two women whose names I'm, I'm forgetting. Um, Reality Winter was one of them. Reality Winter, and who was the one that um, Obama um, commuted the sentence of? Right. Um, good question. Don't remember. <laughs> um, th those those people were sort of making political statements. They were saying. There's something wrong here in the in the nature of the Pentagon Papers case. This kid wasn't doing that. He wasn't saying they're lying to you, as Snowden said, um, and you should be aware of it. So I think there's differences in terms of the motives of the leakers. I also think that in this case, from what has been reported, a lot of the stuff that's been reported seems to be sort of like the final product and not um, sources and methods. It, 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 there was a, a piece today in um, on CNN.com uh, where the author said, look, most of this stuff has already been out there that Ukraine has an ammunitions problem and that we, we, we gather intelligence on friend and foe alike. That's been known for, for a long time. Um, so the damage done this author an intelligence person said not to not to uh, condone what this kid did but it's really not uh you know a, a big deal from a uh, now our enemies know you know where our our bombs are are kept and the like but the thing i think that is being missed in the conversation um is the abysmal handling of classified documents in the in in the defense department and no kidding how this how this was this stuff should be preventable and the fact is that in all likelihood we'll see if i'm wrong in all likelihood the kid will be blamed and everyone will say yeah we you know we caught it but you won't see any leaders getting forced out of the DOD or people losing stars or other things for for the, the organization's failure. And that this is an organizational failure. Yeah. Way no more kidding. than it is, way more than it is one kid sending out well, um, 
classified information that's of you know sort of nominal uh, intelligence value. And the conversation really should be to the head of the Department of Defense and the head of the DIA and and all the other and the NSA and all the all these people. What the hell are you doing? How is this possible? How can you have a system in place where where this could even take place? How do you show yourself? You know, thank goodness, if you will, that this is all that that happened. Uh, and that's right. what should the conversation be. But if you turn yeah. on the television, the whole conversation is this about this individual uh, well, and all the damage that he ha has done by well, people who are from that intelligence community or who were, you know, the Clapper and Clappers and the Brennans and all those guys under whose watch some pretty bad stuff happened uh, with no consequences to to any of them. So, well, that's you know. the question for John. John, you covered the DOD, you've covered defense. But the two things I want you to comment on is first, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the politics of it. I think we've it's fed into the divisive political thing. And to Mike's point, but Michael's point, we are ignoring the bigger issue. And you know well what that <laughs> bigger issue is. Do you think there'll be so? Those two questions the politics part of it and do you think anyone will be held accountable in dod because i guarantee you that's going to be a question that comes up at least from me in the white house briefing room next week i'll take the second one uh first uh having like you said covered the pentagon and the defense and national security um apparatus and i'll be honest here i've, I've said this uh to folks over the years one of the reasons that 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 I wanted off that beat and, and worked so hard to get off that beat is there is no accountability for the Department of Defense. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but they're, they're completely almost unaccountable. Sometimes a president gets uh, annoyed and removes a defense secretary. Um, but, you know, like you said, the leaker will be punished and deservedly so uh, in the justice system. You know, he'll be kicked out of the military, dishonorably discharged, all that uh, usual stuff. And, and it'll stop there. You know, the supervisor won't be punished. The commander of the base won't be punished. The head of the, the guard won't be punished. There'll be hearings and senators and, and house members will sit on the armed services dais and they'll say bold things and they'll be critical. And, you know, they might put a provision in the, in the Pentagon policy bill, but that's months away. They'll pass that between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and this will be an afterthought by then. Um, they'll include language, you know, they want to do something on classified documents because of the the president and, and former vice president mishandling. You know, they'll slip a provision or three in. They'll ask for a study. They might even set up a tiger team. Ooh, scary. And then the tiger <laughs> team will write a report sometime next year that'll get reviewed and then revised and then watered down and then sent to Congress and then put on a shelf that no one will ever read it. Uh, a trade publication or the post, you know, the post might do a blurb on it. Trade publication will do a story on it and, and, and there'll be no real accountability. Um, well, that's upbeat. It's not an upbeat beat. It's not an upbeat world. Um, Michael is absolutely right. Another question here, uh, by the time I um, got off the beat and I did my graduate studies in national security studies, you know, why does no one ever why why do we need a defense intelligence agency? We we have a huge intelligence community. Why does the military need its own CIA? 
Why does the military Why are they trust running a 21-year-old? With, what, what, what's the protocols for right. going out the information that they have? Right. I, and, <laughs> right. And, you know, that, that's a very good question. Why, are, why is the military running human assets across the world? We have, we have a spy agency. So there are a lot of questions about the defense sector. It, it doesn't work that well. Um, this isn't popular. But when was the last time the U.S. definitively won a military conflict? And don't say the Persian Gulf War because that was a scrimmage. OK, that was a that was a friendly World War Two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it doesn't work all that well. It's not accountable to anybody. And oh, by the way, we're in a few years, we're going to spend a trillion dollars a year on a defense budget and they can't even deliver the weapons programs on time. They're huge cost overruns. I had sources in the defense industry tell me that they purposely jacked up the requirements. So they made the technology they would say we can put this technology on the F-22 or the F-35 in five years, knowing that their company couldn't do it in five years. It was probably 10 and then five more to prove it, but they did it on purpose because, because then the Air Force or the Navy or whoever would put it in their budget. And once it's in the budget, it's in the budget, baby. And and we're going to ride that taxpayer funds um So it's all it's all this shell game. And 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 again, there's no accountability because they've spread the jobs across the country. So even I know members who want to do real oversight, but they've got a base. They've got a base in their state and in their district. They've got, you know, a Lockheed Martin or a Boeing uh, production facility or or they have a company that makes the screws that goes into something into something that goes on the F-35. So. So it's not accountable. Now, the politics of this. Yeah, let's hit that. Now, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, you know, she's kind of I'm noticing that that a lot of times her shtick is to just go against the grain. And I get a feel that that's what it feels like this time. I don't think there's going to be a groundswell from the right to defend this kid no or, you know the far left and and the far right can meet on national security issues they call it the horseshoe effect i don't i think she's on an island on this there may be matt gates i think she's on an thing. island that's about to be overcome by climate change <laughs> but well, maybe she's but gonna drown on it here's the thing She's got that Donald Trump Teflon thing, because when the House comes back this week, and I'm not sure if they're back Monday or, or if they get back Tuesday, but I think it's Tuesday. You know, she's going to walk, you know, if she if she wants the speaker's ear, she's going to walk right into Kevin McCarthy's office and she'll be talking to the speaker. And other members can't say that they don't have that ability uh, to meet with the speaker. So I'm not sure. Speaking of no accountability, um, I'm not sure that, you know, McCarthy is going to stop. For whatever reason, and we still don't there, know. There's a different accountability issue, but I, the spe- and then the, the voters, the voters in North Georgia in her district, you know, I mean, we we both grew up in the South. Uh, we know small towns. I'm sure she, you know, she said because this this young man is is white and Christian, um, that this part of the reason that they're, that they're going to punish him. Well, I'm sure that there are folks in small towns in her district who who read what she tweeted and say, well, maybe she has a point. So I don't think there's any accountability coming for her saying this stuff. The more she says this stuff, it's almost and it incentivizes her um, to say it some more to keep doing it. Uh, And, you know, 
no, her, her office and herself have never walked. They didn't walk back that New York. I think it was the New York Times report that she wants to be Trump's running mate in 2024. This only helps with that. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's leave that one aside for a second and go to the other uh, wonderful. <laughs> Wait one second. Uh oh, Chelsea yeah. Manning. Chelsea. Oh yes, oh. Chelsea Manning. Yeah, thank you. And moving <laughs> on to the second issue. He, he went and I saw you over there with your CNN mug looking it up. I, <laughs> you know, it's the, it's one of those things that you can't let go. I don't look up. I think I am all the signs of some cognitive impairment. So I have to get that worry, <laughs> get that worry out of my mind. Well, I've been doing that since I was 30. So maybe that would explain a lot. I've been cognitively impaired for 32 years. Speaking of cognitively impaired, let's talk about Donald Trump. What a wonderful segue. This week, Donald Trump sued Michael Cohen for $500 gazillion or some outrageous amount and, and saying that he uh, <laughs> it was a he, he it wasn't because he's going to testify against the Donald. It's because he reneged on a fiduciary requirement. It almost sounds like he's admitting that what Michael's saying is true. But he doesn't like it, so he's going to sue Michael. Now, when I talked to Michael Cohen this week, he said what this is is an attempt to intimidate a witness. He goes, but he's not going to intimidate me. But what it's really aimed at is intimidating anyone else that would come forward. For example, if the John Bennett's or the Brian Karams or the Michael Zeldins of the world had to testify against Donald Trump, it would keep us from coming forward. I reminded him at that point in time that I'd beaten Trump in court three times. And he doesn't have that sway over me. But nonetheless, I and I'll let you talk about that first, John. And I know, Michael, you you want to chime in and have a you want to switch to something else that also happened this week and uh, with a, a um, lawyer remanding himself from speaking. And that's I want to get there. But, John, to Michael's point. We get this all the time in the media. All everything that Donald Trump says or does gets magnified and gets and gets talked mm -hmm. about incessantly. So to that point, Michael's right. It's an attempt to intimidate not him because he's he'll have help, but it does intimidate it could intimidate others. But do you think that Donald Trump is capable anymore of intimidating people or is he just a joke? Uh, he's certainly not a joke. Uh, the folks that that we really still see that he's able to influence or, or intimidate are, are still Republican lawmakers. Um, he can because they don't want to get primary from the right. Um, and then those folks, as we saw in November, have trouble winning uh, general elections, both Senate and House. So, yeah, he does still have sway over those folks. Now, in terms of, of, of this business case. It strikes me that it's a very short list of of people who would have the knowledge to come forward. Um, I mean, we do have Mr. Um, Weissel. Um, Weissel Burger, 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 Burger. I'm having a cognitive moment. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have that gentleman, but he hasn't come forward yet. Here, he hasn't. He hasn't. That we know of yet. That we know of. So it's a short list. So if that's Trump's, um, if that's Trump's motivation, I have to question it. Uh, I think. There's also an element here of him trying to humiliate Michael Cohen, and we know Cohen doesn't have the money. Uh, he's he's talked a little bit about his his personal uh, situation, and Donnie Deutsch, uh, who's uh, on Morning Joe and uh, business uh, figure. I'm not even quite sure what he does, 
but he's friends with Michael Cohen and he was on um, MSNBC the other morning talking about his conversation with Michael after this lawsuit and, and Cohen yeah, he had the money. Michael's admitted yeah. that. And, and Cohen told him, and just like anyone who's been in prison, he's had trouble, you know, finding work since he's been out and yeah, uh, he lost his, his law car. license. He lost he... his law license. So um, he doesn't have the money. This is, it, it's classic Trump to, to try to humiliate someone. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I'm quite in the intimid, intimidating others. He might be trying to intimidate Cohen, but um Michael clearly has a grudge and he's I there's no sign that that he's going to back down and he's all, by the way he's already testified so the prosecutors already have his testimony Donald I, again it's just one of these things you know Trump likes to sue people that that's another part of it he yeah, likes that's to sue right. some of us like to wear underwear Donald likes right. to sue people yeah I like <laughs> to sit I like to sit on my patio and have my coffee in the morning and Donald Trump likes to sue people yeah so, Michael, is it a frivolous suit? Is it something that will be dismissed by a judge? Is it something to be considered seriously? Do we give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with, do we give a shit? <laughs> well, Michael Cohen does, and um, Donald Trump does. I don't know that it's a meritorious case. It's not completely without merit. Uh, Michael Cohen did speak about communications that he had with Trump if he was acting as Trump's lawyer and revealed privileged communication. That's a violation of his obligations to, to, to Mr. Trump. The irony is that Trump, on the one hand, saying... I don't know anything about Stormy Daniels. I don't know anything about the $130,000 payment. And I don't know anything about the repayment of Michael Cohen. And so it's hard to understand how that is a breach of a fiduciary <laughs> trust when Cohen is just saying the opposite. Um, and right. one is saying, I never said those things. But he also says, besides the breach of confidence, that he's caused him uh, reputational damage by the spreading of these false lies. So I, on its face, I don't think that it's it's frivolous in the sense that it'll get thrown right out. But in the Letitia James case, remember, Trump sued right. Letitia James and Trump sued um, Hillary Clinton uh, you know, similarly in a sort of witness intimidation styled lawsuit, both of those lawsuits got um, thrown out. And in the Letitia James case, um, Judge Middlebrooks, who oversaw the case, the U.S. District Judge, fined Trump and his attorneys a million dollars for filing um, a frivolous lawsuits, uh, uh, you know, against his what he called political enemies. So, Trump has some risk here, too. Uh, I would think discovery not, would be a big risk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why why Trump, other than you know the the possible intimidation, why Trump would expose himself to uh, discovery in in these sort of lawsuits? Because if he's saying he um, that this is a lie, then he has to you know answer to that in a, in a in a deposition, and I don't understand why he would want to 
expose himself that way. So, I mean, I just think this is well. If you understand Donald theater. Trump, he likes to expose himself any way possible. But that's uh, <laughs> bada boom, but about a bit. But um, you know, it's unfortunate that the the. You know, you hear these these uh, Republicans talking about the weaponization of the Justice Department, whereas Trump individually has weaponized the 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 legal system for for decades. His his approach is is sue sue first, answer ask questions uh, later. And whether it's whether it's a um, a vendor. Who, who owes money or other, right. or other things, this is what he does. It's either to delay um, or to uh, intimidate or just to have somebody say, you know what, this is not worth it and, 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 and go away. So it's all part of a pattern of behavior with Trump, which is terribly unfortunate. And I feel worst for, for Cohen because he's going to have to go Go, you know, do a GoFundMe, um, <clears throat> unless of course you can get George Soros to um, <laughs> support him, and, and then and then it'll give Donald Trump even more. <laughs> he, he may spontaneously combust. <laughs> right. at, at that point in time, we'll hear it from from DC. Yeah. <laughs> the shock waves through the air. <laughs> we're going to take a we're going to take a short commercial break and when we come back we have a lot more to talk about so stick around hey you yeah you we're talking to you and we need your help as you probably know Independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Caramore. I had a cognitively dysfunctional moment in the break. Had one at the top of the show. And, you know, Michael, you were going to call me on it. The Beatles were in 64, not 63 with those five hits, but he let it slide. I'll, 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 I'll uh, happily <clears throat> call myself on the carpet for that. But we want to move on to the next event that we want to talk about. And that is the Biden trip. And uh, he recently, Joe Biden is coming back from uh, from Ireland, where he said uh, famously this week that he doesn't know why his, his uh, <clears throat> ancestors ever left because it was so beautiful. I, I guess the potato famine is something that he forgot about or the abject poverty or lack of jobs. It was, it was a strange comment, but I mean, I understand what he was saying. He was saying, you know, Ireland is beautiful, but uh, we're a nation of immigrants, and so we all came here because you know it sucked where we where our ancestors. I'm were. glad you caught that too. That stopped me in my tracks. I was like cleaning up or something, and one of the networks was were playing some Biden highlights from from early in his trip, and you know I'm I got got that the 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 couch cushion. I just dropped it. Like what the hell, Joe? Like that, I. 
<laughs> I know. I, mean, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I know. I mean, I got it. He was trying to compliment Ireland, and we all know what he was, but it didn't come across quite the way he wanted it. But I bring it up for another reason. And so you're going to send him a copy of Angela's Ashes. And... <laughs> yes. yeah. You should. You should take it to Corinne and maybe she could yeah. walk it down the hall. That's, I've been trying to do that with my own book. That's, <laughs> that's, so, uh, but one of the things that comes up uh, that I noticed from this, as I said in a column this week, it kind of reminds me of a second term trip. And mm. I, and I also said, you know, people are complaining about Joe Biden not talking to the press. He doesn't act like a guy who's running for re-election. It makes you wonder if he is actually in or if he wants to. I mean, he may yet run. And of course, he's given it every indication that he will. <clears throat> but with his lack of communication with the press, with this trip to Ireland, I got to wonder if his heart's in a second term. The actuary <laughs> tables are catching up with him and um, and the wonderful, <clears throat> redoubtable Donald Trump. And uh, I think, A, this points at, at, at how I'm, I, I'm concerned about a, a second term from him and a second term from Trump. We need new leadership in this country. John. Well, there was that moment from President Biden. Um, and... And there was another moment this week that that made me really think about his age. And, you know, I, my parents, full disclosure, in their 70s. I had grandparents who uh, battled uh, Alzheimer's. And that's it's an all I'm not saying that about Joe Biden. Uh, but we had the moment with Al Roker uh, before the Easter or during the Easter egg roll at the White House. And, you know, Roker trying to get him to make his reelection announcement. Uh Sometimes Al Roker's a reporter too. And I thought it was a creative way to ask the question. And it was to the Today Show. So he's having a little fun right. with it. But Biden started talking about East, something about pushing them out or putting them down. And it was just like, his, clearly his his thoughts weren't clear. And and we, we do see this a lot from Biden. And I think we're seeing it more recently. Um, we see of, from Trump too. Just That's really, yeah, really me. garbled, yeah, garbled statements that don't make any sense. And maybe it's the stress of the job. It is. It's the most stressful job in the world, probably. And you know, his. That's what know, they say. We, we remember for the 2016 uh, campaign, Trump talked a lot about the the 2 a.m. phone call when the phone rings in the White House residence, and you know, some bad stuff is happening somewhere. Uh, we need you in the Situation Room, and he was questioning Hillary Clinton and being a woman and you know that was nonsense but we do see this from Biden we we see it from Trump too and to your point um it it just feels like this is going to be a really rough campaign watching these two guys if if, if this is the general election uh matchup it's still early um, though it's it's very early sure and we don't a year know from now we could be sitting yeah. here thinking something completely different but for me for me, I mean, it, it, the, the 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 exchange with Al Roker uh, was was frankly it was just hard to watch, and you know I've written that Biden's had a pretty successful term as president, so he don't has. get me wrong here. I'm not I'm not some right wing flamethrower saying he has dimension, but I am looking at an 80 year old man with a very stressful job, and I'm noticing more and more these garbled statements. And that's why Michael to, and I are supporting you for president. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe I just had three garbled statements in that filibuster. So I think I'm disqualified by my own metric there. Well, well, Michael, do you think uh, 
uh, that we would be better off with some younger leadership? Do you think, I mean, I'm going to say it right now, Biden has done much better than Trump. Uh, His communication, he's communicated with us just about as much as he wants to, which is not at all. And uh, so we're looking at the potential of another Biden-Trump election. Is that something that you think we should embrace? Well, let me start off by saying, you, st- you said something at the very outset, which was that the president of the United States is the hardest uh, job in the world. I actually think that hosting this podcast <laughs> is, is very, very, I'm not very, running very, for office, <laughs> very, very be, close. Very it close. Easy. It can't be easy. No, no. I, I don't but... think I don't think the majority of Americans would like to see a Biden Trump rematch. I think they'd like to. Forget about Donald Trump presidency. We're talking about the majority, not the right. not the core base. Would like to put the Trump presidency behind us. Would like to thank Joe Biden for being this stable caretaker, uh, one-term president who sort of righted the ship. Um, and now it's time for the quote-unquote new generation of leadership. I think that's. That's my sense of um, where America is when I look at the the polling. Um, but will they get their wish? Is you know anything less than fully clear? You know, if Tr- if Donald Trump is not the Republican nominee, then I read that it is less incentivizing for Biden to run. Yeah, again. that's my take too. Um, but I, I don't know what to out. take for God. I don't think what it's going to. The problem is the timeline. Sooner or later, right. Biden has to start putting the apparatus for a second campaign uh, uh, together. You or know, allowing has, others to put an apparatus yeah, together. Yeah, or, or allowing others to put t- together yeah. an apparatus. And and so that's the pressure. Um, that's the pressure. And it's and not, it's not, it, it's not at it, its peak yet, though. You're right. That pressure is building. But, John, there is still, you know, a few months. Remember, Biden came out and said, I'm going to take a break over Christmas and I'll come back and say something definitive, which he has not uh, about his intent. And we have asked repeatedly. Donald Trump, of course, has (laughs) announced it early and often because he (laughs) wants to grift and gain money. But his I mean, it's no I know people right now are looking at it, saying it's a slam dunk for Donald. But there's so many different oh, <laughs> plays in motion right now that could change that a number of indictments uh hell the actuary table neither neither one of them are are young donald trump could take a bite out of his fa- favorite cheeseburger tomorrow and go <laughs> and be gone um and the same with so i mean and, and the same with biden so there's a you know they're at the end of the actuary table you saw gavin newsom being a touted on uh-huh. MSNBC earlier this week by, by Jen Psaki, it looks like that was a move to try and up his profile. I, I'm not convinced that uh, Biden is going to run again or will be on the ballot for the Democrats in 2024. And I'm certainly not convinced that Donald Trump will be on the ballot. And to your point, Michael, I think it's, I, I think polls show that people would go, Jesus, can we just move on? <laughs> It's interesting that you bring up the the Saki interview with uh, the California governor Gavin Newsom. Um, is it is it safe 
to assume and accurate to assume um, when you watch Jin Saki's show, and we've been critical here of the Fox lineup. Yeah. Is it safe to assume that she's not all the way out of this administration? Is is that show a new show? Um, so Good question. And, I and don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand the, de the decision making there. But um, well, the same was said of Clinton's uh, spokesman when uh, they left. And uh, it, hell. Yeah. If we assume that if we assume that there's still contacts and conversations and why wouldn't there be? Uh, she needs ratings and she needs information uh, to help well, get those ratings. So if there was chatter in Democratic world or even Biden world that he might not run or he might start to run and then a Trump conviction might cause him to say, OK, I was the guy to beat Trump again. Trump's out. If Trump would drop out, if he got convicted or something, then Biden could flip the keys. to. He's got to flip the keys to somebody at some point. So if there was chatter, something along those lines. I just don't, and I think I, I texted you this during the week. I don't believe in coincidences in politics, not at that no. level. And here's suddenly Gavin Newsom showing up on Jen Psaki's show, you know, a few months after she left the White House. So I just, that, you know, sometimes- Well, it doesn't even matter the intent there. It's what, ha you know, yeah. what was the intent? Is the truth that she did it on purpose or it was coincidental? Doesn't really matter to me. The, the, the fact is it does give him a higher profile. It does put him in- we know that the Democratic Party and the yeah. Democratic apparatus is not behind the vice president at this point. So who's it going to be if it's not Joe? That's right. So is the proposition that they're floating Newsom as a vice presidential replacement? Or are you thinking that Jen Psaki is somehow fronting Newsom to be a replacement? And also under, underlining your observations is that Jen Saki's Jen Saki's show has an audience, so mm. how, well Jen Saki's audience uh, on MSNBC would mostly be those <coughs> who are close to the Democratic cause. One would suspect. No, no, I understand that, but but I'm talking about just this is a brand new show. I like Jen a lot. Um, well, I, I respect her and like so, her. So no, but I'm saying is <coughs> it's not like she's going on a show like Joe Rogan or Howard Stern or something. It has uh, Rush Limbaugh's former yeah. show. It has yeah. millions of people yeah. that can influence opinion. You know, she has, she has a hundred thousand people. Um, yeah. It, it would be, uh, it would be a victory for her on, on a brand new show. So well, I, I guess I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit confused about what it is that you think, um, going on with respect to, to Newsom is he is he replacing Harris is he replacing well Biden? they won't replace Kamala Harris I think I understand this and so you think that Jen Psaki a Biden loyalist is is putting up Newsom as a trial no, balloon I'm not I'm not suspecting that at all I'm only saying the fact is that by that particular piece it gives him a higher platform in it and the first national real uh national platform to be heard so I, I those, thought his. I thought. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I thought his uh, national platform came in his recall. Uh, well, yes, campaign. this would be a. This would be a different. <laughs> this is a more favorable national platform. Yeah. Well, how do you recall. overcome? How do you overcome a recall other than to say it's my political enemy? So, yes. anyway. but to, to the point, it, huh. it's his first appearance in national media 
since that. And that gives him a shot to build from there. I don't know that it means I don't, I'm not, I don't suspect the conspiracy that some people suspect. I suspect that he, he, he's the California governor. He went through a recall. What's he doing? Let's do, let's do a story on him. Uh, and there are people talking about him running uh, instead of Biden. So we should talk to him. All of those are legitimate news reasons to discuss information with Gavin Newsom. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but you know what? You know what, Brian? The big story about Gavin Newsom is whether or not uh, Dianne Feinstein is <laughs> retires. And who does Gavin Newsom, Newsom appoint? point to fill that? Yeah. To fill that and, and to your point, that's another reason why that piece would be relevant with with Gavin Newsom. Um, all to say that that is the first time we've seen someone other than Donald. I'm sorry, someone other than Joe Biden in the Democratic Party recently getting that type of of ink or that type of uh, airplay. We certainly don't see that. I mean, when was the last time we saw Kamala Harris, the vice president? John in I Africa. Mean, yeah, but when have you seen her with that type of piece on a national show? Not recently. Yeah, she's not exactly uh, out front. She's the point person for for several things, but they don't really feature her. I mean, she has you know she has roundtables and she travels and she gives speeches, but it's you know you don't hear, for instance, Corinne Jean Pierre, the press secretary, say you know, as the vice president said Tuesday in Dayton, or right. um, the vice president's looking really hard at this, you, you don't hear them, um, you know, you heard that about Mike Pence from time to time. That Pence Hell, you heard about person. Joe Biden from time yeah, to time. Absolutely. We were both there. You heard that, yeah. you know, Biden on the cancer moonshot, and he took yeah. the lead on some foreign policies. Uh, he had a foreign policy portfolio as vice president. Now, we know she has not immigration. This is where the right distorts this. She's the point person for the root causes of the migration. So she's taken the lead on, on, on like Central American issues, not so much on immigration. And again, the fact that she's not the point person on immigration, that actually says something. Um, maybe they didn't trust her. We don't really know uh, what was behind all that. But, you know, they don't feature her. She's not out there. They don't put her out uh, on the Sunday shows. Uh, Pence did that from time to time. So she just doesn't have the profile. And our good friend, uh, Martha Kumar, taught me this, a professor who studies the White House closely, um, that a vice president's vice presidency is exactly what the president wants it to be. And, and nothing more and nothing less. That's right. And so the fact that we don't see her, that they don't feature her, they don't use her um offensively I, I hope that makes sense i think that does that says a lot proactively yeah proactive that says yeah. a lot about <clears throat> biden although you know, i have heard complaints that that trust. i have heard complaints from inside the administration that she has not stepped up there are some who think mm -hmm. that they'd like her to take more on but she hasn't i'm going to yeah. switch uh real quick uh, one of the things michael you brought up earlier was a uh in the i think this is a mar-a-lago case where the um where one of Trump's attorneys has uh, uh, kind of remanded himself. But I also want to bring into the Dominion suit. These are the two things I want to talk about before we go to our last break. Uh, the Dominion suit begins this week. We'll begin to hear uh, testimony on the Dominion suit. And at the same time, 
Tell me a little bit about the uh, about Trump's attorney and the importance of that. So Donald Trump is represented by Evan Corcoran. Evan Corcoran is the lawyer who, along with another, uh, were was responsible for overseeing the production of documents that were stored at Mar-a-Lago that the National Archives wanted back. He famously had issued a letter saying that there were no new, no additional documents after a thorough search. And then lo and behold, there's a search warrant issued and they find hundreds of additional documents. Corcoran is subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury about this because this business of saying you have none and then having some found implies obstruction or stupidity or or both or a good combination and, of both right and they say to Corcoran we want to know what happened here Corcoran said I can't help you I have an attorney client privilege with Trump Justice Department says not if it's a crime the crime fraud exception breaches the attorney client privilege and we're going to go to the court and say your conversations implicate the crime fraud exception to the attorney-client privilege. And the court agreed with the Justice Department, and they forced Corcoran to testify about what happened. Now, what, what he said, we don't know. But what we do know, which is the heart of your question, which is the significance, is that after he testified in the grand jury, he then announced that he was withdrawing from his attorney role of Donald Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. The presumption, of course, being, of course, you have to withdraw because you are now a witness and probably an adverse witness to Donald right. Trump. And so if you sort of piece it together, it looks as if this lawyer who was forced to testify under crime fraud exception conditions gave incriminating testimony, which caused him to have to step aside from his role as attorney dun, dun, dun. the Justice Department determines whether it has a strong enough case uh, to, to proceed. So that's, I think, a significant um, development in the Mar-a-Lago's um, obstruction case. And that's, and that's, I, I, but he's still representing him in others. How can he, how can he do that? Well, I don't think he should, um, but you know, if if I'm representing you as your lawyer, Brian, in a uh, car crash, um, but it turns out that I'm a witness to that car crash because I was a passenger in the car, but we also have a, a collateral lawsuit against the Safeway for when you uh, allegedly slip and fell, uh, I could still represent you in your slip and fall case and not have it, you know, sort of bleed over to your car accident case. I'm trying to paint the picture for the audience that you bring these frivolous lawsuits in a, in an attempt to grift yeah. money from these uh, yeah. companies. That was very well done, actually. <laughs> so typically Donald Trump, the slip and fall case, that's, that actually would be a great title for, for an article, the slip and fall case of Donald Trump. Coming up next, on America's Most Wanted. John, the uh, Dominion case starts this week. I'll give you a last word on this before we go forward, before we go to the break. Dominion case, you're going to hear the testimony of uh, 
and that Fox News has already been sanctioned. They've already been screwed, blued, and tattooed. It can only get worse. Can it? I've, I've heard that, that it can always get worse. Uh, I've also heard there's no bottom. Uh, and it certainly feels that way lately. Uh, we're going to hear from the big cheese himself, right? We're going to hear from yep. uh, Mr. Rupert Murdoch in this case, uh, we think. I mean, that's... that's. How does it hurt that... us, though, jur uh, journalistically? Then, isn't, isn't this bad for all of us? It ain't great. Um, but, you know, the, the business has a number of challenges, uh, obviously. Uh, we're you know, the, the L word, as we call it in newsrooms, layoffs uh, are here. In, Always. In, in, yeah. And but but they're back in, in big numbers, mass layoffs. Uh, and this is just another challenge for an industry that that has many. Um, you know, I'm not sure uh, the effect that this would have on, you know, say, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Um, but it could it could alter Fox News, uh, depending on how this plays out now. I think everyone here would probably argue that that it might change it for the better. Um, I don't unless they just double down and 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 go full defiance after this. After Make Tucker Carlson the president of the network. <laughs> they could, they you know, they you know, don't you know, don't give them any ideas. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but they could, you know, they could go defiant after this. Um, you know, this isn't an episode of Succession, uh, the popular uh, popular cable show. Um, which is fantastic, by the way. But that's what Logan Roy, I'm not going to give any spoilers from the last episode, but Logan Roy, uh, who some say is modeled is Rupert after Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, Logan Roy would double down and move further to the right. So it's, I think that's the biggest thing to watch is how does this change Fox News? Because I think we talked about last week, it wasn't what, 10 or 15 years ago that they were trying to be, Serious for the most part, they were trying to be well, serious. I was there; they were right. They were they were coming at the news from a different vantage point, um, but it wasn't. You know, they didn't they didn't have all this far right opinion in the primetime blocks. So right. maybe it changes their primetime approach, and and they go, you know, that 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 moves back toward traditional news. But my hunch is we could get a Logan Roy situation at the end of this. So can I add something? which I've been thinking about, which is that very few people, Fox gets the the largest audience share of the three major cable networks, but revenues and viewership on cable has been declining for, for a while. Whereas the streaming, Joe Rogan's and Howard Stern's and some of these other shows, like Rush Limbaugh of a decade ago, have massive audience. I'll bet you Sean Hannity has more people on his radio show than he has on his um, nightly TV show. And so the question is, I have more people on a tweet than on some of the, some of those shows. Yeah, you're right. So the question is, when do these stars, the Hannitys and the Tucker Carlsons, say, you know what, we're we're gonna we're moving away from the TV platform. We're going to look for our own. Spotify deal. We're looking for our own. It all boils down to money, my brother. Well, I understand that, but but so if there's an effort to um, rein them in in any way, which I'm not sure that there will be, I, if I were Tucker Carlson and I could get a Joe Rogan like um, multi million dollar uh, deal with with Spotify, I'm not sure why I don't do that. Well, and so and, and I'm you sure could have the whole you have the whole 
possibility of the transformation of um, these well, shows that are that are editorial um, sort of personality driven personality driven where those personalities go elsewhere and the and the and the stations revert back to being news shows although I'm not sure that there's a a financial formula for success on a straight up news show look at all of the changes that MS and and CNN are undertaking in an effort to re you know sort of organize their programming so that they can maintain or increase viewership it's hard really hard that's because none of them are doing that that's my rant because none of them are doing news if you give people a place to go for vetted facts if you build it they will come that's my belief i believe if you do that and no one has the the wherewithal to do that because they want everything fast and cheap it's, and john you and i and, and michael you know that too you we've all sat on panel shows discussion shows where it's all about the the heat and uh, it's all there's no enlightenment there's no dis real discussion of issues it's can i get in a pithy comment in the mm. two minutes i have in this eight minute segment with three other people and nothing will be set nothing will be solved it's cheaply done it'll just mm -hmm. get people to to watch because you know oh look they're arguing that's my guy that's their guy and it doesn't ever really solve anything so it's not well, though, but brian can i just add that interestingly Interestingly, to that point, uh, Anderson Cooper is going to be hosting a new show. I think it's just premiering soon, which I think it's called something like The Whole Story or something. And it's one hour devoted to one story. And that's a great idea. And so, uh, so there we'll, is it. I believe there is an audience for that. I agree. So we'll see how we'll see how that takes takes shape. You've also got, you know, on CNN. You've got uh, Pamela Brown and some and the investigative team who are also doing longer form stories of. See, I, I and they obviously read my book and they are obviously doing what I've told them to do. Where, yeah. Where's my money for that? Uh, <laughs> I, don't uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe you can get one of um Evan Corcoran now has some availability in his uh, legal portfolio, having given up the Mar-a-Lago case. Maybe you can get him to <laughs> right. pick, up, pick up yours. <laughs> we're going to take, take a short break, and when we come back, we'll uh, have some, uh, some more to talk about. So stick around. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just <clears throat> asked the question. I am your host, Brian Karen. With me again is former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and editor at large from CQ Roll Call, John Bennett, who's also a, a very happy gardener these days. Uh, <laughs> and then this week in, in news, you can't forget 1964. Please please me at number five. I want to hold your hand at number four. She loves you at number three. Twist and shout at number two. Can't buy me love at number one. The five top spots in the top 40 countdown. Casey Kasem would love to have fun with that. Would be the Beatles. 
for extra point if you can tell me what the name of the album is then i know that you're a real fan anyone 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 which meet the beatles no what, what, what album what, what was your question i think you said which was their first album no what is the name of this album which album that has all five of these songs on it he's gonna see hmm. if you can google it what album was at the top of the charts in 1964 with the beatles dun 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 i don't remember what was uh the name of the album is oh, i want to hold your hand no please please me please please me that was the album yeah that was their first album and uh oh there were a lot of others meet the beatles was right after that um that was the first i thought please please me and we can look it up but i thought please please me was their english release album yes it was you are correct so, but so the meet, meet the Beatles was the first U.S. Yes. release. Um, and did meet, right. did, but Meet the Beatles didn't have Twist and Shout on it, did it? Because I please me did. If I remember correctly, I have to go dig up my album. John seems really in, in, in enthralled by all of that. <laughs> but the other he, thing he's not week, sure. He's not sure he knows who the Beatles are. Oh, hey, oh, that's, oh hey now. <laughs> I hear they're the, the greatest to ever uh, lace them up. That, that that's <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were boxers. <laughs> <laughs> lace them up. I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> the well, other it's, hockey, it's hockey, <laughs> it's hockey playoffs. So you're thinking that the other the other wonderful news this week is the sale of the commanders i cannot i i'm so but who bought them john you want to hit that <laughs> a group uh led by um a gentleman named josh harris who also owns the philadelphia 76ers of the nba and the new jersey devils of the nhl um uh various other folks in his group including magic johnson um so it reportedly is is basically a done deal they're dotting the i's and and crossing the t's and it does have to be approved um by the nfl six billion dollar transaction would have to be approved uh, by the front o- the nfl office owners. the the other owners and they're meeting in late may so this transition could begin very very soon um and you know harris did oversee um the very very, 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 very slow rebuild of the 76ers. Remember that they're the franchise that made the uh, the phrase trust the process famous because <laughs> they're fans. I mean, these are Philly fans, right. so we know how they, they can be. They're not the most patient bunch. No, that's the only place in the NFL <laughs> that has a, honest to God, has a jail on site. Right. <laughs> so... So the 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 way that that Harris and, and his front office folks decided to rebuild the Sixers was they they just tore it down and they used the draft and you know they signed guys along the way they got Joel Embiid in the draft and he's a he's a superstar. Um, so, but we'll see if if that's what he thinks he needs to do here. He hasn't said very much. His group hasn't said very much. Magic, yeah, of course, said anything. They haven't really said anything. Magic just said that he hopes they get the team and that it would be a dream come true. So um, we don't know what they want to do. The, the The organization has had many, 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 many problems, many investigations under Snyder. 
Um, the roster, you know, the roster isn't great, frankly. And but for me, for me, we'll we'll find out because Harris can use his influence already. He can back channel Deron Rivera and 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 the front office now. They're going to put a, a second-year quarterback on the field. It looks like in in uh, in um, in and in Howell, Sam Howell from the University of North Carolina, who broke records at at, at UNC. But he's a second-year quarterback in the NFL, and that offensive line uh, isn't the greatest. They did address it somewhat, but they needed they 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 still need pieces. So. Harris can back channel. And if he's serious about this, how a franchise treats a young quarterback is very telling. If, yes. if Harris wants to change the mindset of how they build a team, they have the 16th pick in the draft. They'll take an offensive lineman. I'll be back in as a fan of this team. If they take a guard or tackle with the 16th pick, because you can't throw Hal out there with this offensive line, even the pieces they've added, they still have, they, they have to address it in the draft. And they have to get, in my opinion, the best offensive lineman at 16. And if if Harris is serious, I think that'll be a very, very good sign uh, for Washington fans because this fan base wants to come back. Well, this fan base would, I think it's a, you, you were talking about the dreams come true. It's a dream come true for the Commanders franchise to get rid of Snyder. Oh, and sure. it has been for, sure. for 10 years. So, well, actually, since, you know, you took it over. Michael, mm -hmm. would that make you a fan of the Commanders? Not a chance. Oh, come, on. <laughs> come on, the bandwagon. Jump on the bandwagon, Michael. I, I, I got to trust I, the process. I'm a New York Giants fan, and I'll never be a, a, a whatever whatever they call themselves. And I hope they change the name. And I hope they, they move back into the. And I hope they move back into the District of Columbia. They move back into the District of Columbia, and they change their names, and they rebrand um, themselves. Then maybe I'll go when the Giants come into town. But otherwise, <laughs> well, I'd love them to change their name too. I think Commanders it just sounds horrible. But that's you know I, I kind of like the Wolf Pack or the Wolves or whatever they were you know anything other than the Commanders. But my my son always said what they should have done was, and he has a uh, innate sense of mean humor. My son always said they should have remained the Washington Redskins, but just changed the uh, logo to a red potato <laughs> and, <left. laughs> and just called themselves you know the potatoes that's <laughs> so eh, we'll see anyway <laughs> meanwhile meanwhile while you guys have just been gabbing on about the yes the, the commanders i have been <laughs> researching uh to see whether there is an album uh that contains all all of those five songs that top the charts in 1964 and i can't find it on and i'll be happy to give you a copy of mine okay well i i, uh, <laughs> I think you'll be disappointed i think oh i'm not this well and if you want there's a compilation album it's the red and the blue the uh, red compilation album has it beatles 60 to 60 or i think yeah, that's not that doesn't six. count well Talking about albums re released in real time um well there was uh Remember, Please Please Me was the British album. Meet the Beatles was. And then there's Introducing the Beatles, which was a VJ record. And all then, of those albums were uh, released at the same time. And all of them had uh, similar uh, lineups on them. One was a, a, a cutout 
a bootleg. Uh, VJ did not have a, 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 a deal with the Beatles, but they released it. And then uh, that was introducing the Beatles. There's also several bootleg versions of uh, Please Please Me that have even more than what's on there. So, so yeah, there's albums that have all five of them on no, there. No, no, no. I'm saying you said that there was a single album. Yeah, yeah. Please Please Me. And From Please Please Me has Please Please Me on it and Twistin' and Shaft on it. Yeah. Uh, those are the only those are the only two. And then I saw her standing there is on that. And you don't get to the Beatles second album. That's a great song, but that's not one of the top five. Right. The Beatles second album has She Loves You on it. And that's the only one of those um uh top five. So anyway, you you can you can come back and I'll bring you a copy. <clears throat> uh um and if I, oh, wait a minute, I do want to end one thing. Ah, I forgot before we end up, wrap up today. Letters to the editor. First for uh, uh, John, uh, why is everyone in the South prejudiced? <laughs> you're, you're a son of the South. <laughs> well, I, well I, I get to say this now after covering uh, lawmakers for so long. I disagree with the premise of the question. <laughs> okay. All right. I've always wanted to say that. Um, not everyone in the South is prejudiced. That's, that's a blanket statement and that's just not fair. Uh, but there are a lot of prejudices still in the South. And we saw this uh, recently in the Tennessee legislature when they kicked out uh, two African-American um, young men for yep. their part in a protest. Uh, but the, a white uh, woman who was also involved in the protest, the lawmaker, state lawmaker got to keep her seat. So, um, why is why do these prejudices still exist? Uh, the South has a very nasty history on race, and of course the slavery issue, and you know these things are they're embedded almost in the soil down there. It gets passed down. Uh, in, lack in of families. education yeah. helps. And, yeah, lack of education. Uh, the the numbers the the stats don't lie on that. You're right. Any books? Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> Not and, wanting to teach history. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's a very simple answer. The 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 scars of slavery still exist in the South, and attitudes have not, um, in some places, moved very far past that. Um, and even folks who don't talk about it, you know, um, don't talk about it openly, uh, those feelings are are still there, and uh, it's it's really. It's a, it's really a tragic thing, but it it and it seeps into our national politics. It's not just at the state level, right? Uh, we see this seep into the national politics. So um, maybe by the time uh, my 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 time on 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 this here rock called Earth is over, we'll make some more progress. But uh, it's it's slow. It's very slow. Michael, well, can I add that we're <clears throat> we're moving backwards because yeah, it goes that way. Yep. That, you know whether. You know, whether it's prejudice or raw political power, what we see in many southern states and northern states, it's true in Wisconsin and other places, is a continued effort to disenfranchise um, people of color. And, and women. If you look at, well, not so much women. If you Probably look at, Wade. no, I understand that. That's, but that's, I'm talking about voting. If you look, if you look at the way North Carolina is gerrymandered, or Tennessee is gerrymandered, or Florida's gerrymandered, 
this is all about disenfranchising people, preventing them from ballot access in the same way that they were denied ballot access during poll tax yeah. um, days. Um, and so if you look at states like North Carolina, where the the, the vote is sort of like 50-50, uh, closer to 50-50 on presidential elections. When it comes to seats in Congress, it's like 60-70% Republican districts compared to Democrat districts because the yeah. way the state legislatures have gerrymandered districts to disenfranchise voters. So a lot of this is, you know, the continuation of the lost cause, but a lot of it is just sheer political power grabs um, because in many places the look in South Carolina after the Civil War there were more black residents than white residents and they, they had to figure out the white residents had to figure out what to do about that so they just disenfranchised mm -hmm. them all and they right. said you can't you can't vote um and and the people that they were able to elect in the right aftermath of in reconstruction all lost their seats because the people who wanted to vote for them couldn't vote for them anymore so it's a very it's not as simple as just prejudice. You're true. That's true. And I'm going to cut you short because I have one more letter it. and it's for you. Uh, well, I thought that by answering John's, I would avoid having to answer. Uh, you got to answer own. this one. Damn. <laughs> Why can't we hold Clarence Thomas accountable? Well, because he hasn't necessarily vote violated any laws and the Supreme Court doesn't really have a code of conduct, code of ethics. That, that governed them. I mean, what the Clarence Thomas case points out is the need for that. And uh, maybe his um, misadventures in financial disclosure will result in that. But there's no obligation um, until very recently for these guys to be fully transparent about their financial dealings. You'd think on the Supreme Court of the United States it would be intuitive for these people to be transparent. But what did Clarence Thomas say when confronted by the fact that he was um, uh, feasted on luxury vacations for a long time, which he says, oh, I got an opinion that didn't require me uh, to do that because this guy was a long, a long time friend. Please, you know, <laughs> give me a break. You're a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. Why, why do you need a legal opinion about whether uh, you you have to do this or not. I think that he sought that opinion so he could find an excuse not to do it because he yes, understands exactly. how um, the fact that he compromising legal opinion tells right. me that he knew there was a problem. How compromised uh, he he is and how compromising it is to the integrity of the court. It's just beyond explanation. But the short answer to your um, uh, to this question is. It doesn't violate the, the criminal laws of the United States, and the code of conduct was so mushy um, that he has a, a, a an escape valve from it. There you go. Pretty terrible that, stuff. Pretty pretty horrible stuff. And with that, we've gone over our time, but we've had a great conversation. We look forward to it next week. This is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Uh, real quick, where can we catch you, John? Uh, CQ afternoon briefing Tuesday through Thursday. Congress is back. I know everyone's excited about that. And uh, weekly column rollcall.com on Friday morning. And Michael? The podcast on all 
podcast apps is called That Said with Michael Zeldin. We don't do too much politics and law talking. I save that for this podcast. Uh, um, we do talk mostly books and authors uh, who have interesting stories to tell. And it comes out about every week, although this semester I'm teaching at American University School of Law. And so it's delayed some of my uh, ability to read. So I'm running about every 10-ish days. But after this, after I grade my last papers, I'll go back to a weekly schedule, <laughs> I, I hope, if I can still read. There you go. And then, well, I'm not going to touch that line. And with that said, <laughs> it's just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Kerm. You catch me on salon.com weekly with a column and the name of the book. Latest book is just, it's called Free the Press. So stick around. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time. Yeah.